This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. We love church. We love worship. Do you love worship today? Say, yay, Jesus. Well, I got three of you on my team. How many else are out there? Say, yay, Jesus. Right online, would you type, yay, Jesus? I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you've come to participate with us uh, to worship God. It's been a busy week, a busy life for many of you, for a lot of us. But you know, God is never too busy for us. Amen? And so we're going to come and we're going to step into his presence. I want to remind you, we do have another busy week ahead of us. Lots coming up. Young Adults is this Wednesday at 6.30 here at this campus. Uh, so you do not want to miss it. Make, put that on your calendar. Last, last Young Adults, we had... 40-ish or so, and it was a great time, and we're going to have a good time with that. Also, as you saw in our video announcements, Connect Us Lunch is right around the corner. Connect Us Lunch is for everyone that is new to us. I'm going to say new to us since 2020, since the beginning of the pandemic. We have not had a Connect Us Lunch since for that long, and we have quite a few in our body that are brand new. So we want to invite you. It's your opportunity to come. We're going to give you free food, and you're going to hear about us, and we're going to get to know you a little bit better and know about our church. And uh, so please sign up, go on and register on our church app, uh, and we will be prepared for you having, having a good meal. Uh, today is a happy day. Today is also a sad day in a sense. For the last almost year, we've had an individual working alongside us in every avenue of ministry, and that's Alexis. Alexis, come up here with me, would you? Come on, let's give her a round of applause. She's been in and out of every ministry, serving in young, primarily our youth, but she's been in kids, she's been in media, she's been just serving around our church. She's a product of Oyama, so let's shout for Oyama. Uh, if you're trying to connect Oyama, that's Brittany and Damien back there, who we had as missionaries a few weeks back. She's a product of them, and we're thankful for Alexis. Today is Alexis's last day with us, and we're sad but can I tell you, this is the, she's been preparing. She's been pre- preparing for the last several years. Not only is she, it's a sad day for us, but it's a happy day for her because she's not just stepping out of an internship. She's stepping into a ministry role at Goshen. So come on, would you tell? Isn't that awesome? And uh, we're thankful for her, and we want to dishonor her with a gift, a card. And she's not going to be able to be in second service because she's ministering. And that's what ministry is all about, right? Would you extend your hands? We want to pray over her. God, I thank you for Alexis. God, I thank you for her heart. I thank you for her willingness. God, I thank you for her desire to grow and to change. I thank you for her desire to serve you. God, I thank you for the call of God upon her life. God, we ask right now, God, for a double portion of your anointing. God, that as she steps into the role at Goshen, God, would you anoint her? Would you fill her mouth with, with God words? Would you fill her heart with a, a God humility? God, would you bring a, a melding of the pastoral staff's hearts together? God, would you give her a heart for the people and for those youth? God, as she steps in, God, would it not be Alexis's heart, but God, would it be your heart? God, your passion, your giftings. God, I pray, God, just again, that you would direct her as she stewards the gift that is in her. God, the gift that you have given her. And God, we thank you. We thank you for her service. We thank you for blessing us with her in our lives. God, we ask now that you would just bless her. Would you multiply under her strength? God, grant her favor, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
I love you. Yeah, come on. What a privilege it's been to be able to have that. This is not what ministry is about. That's what churches are about is raising up and sending out. And so we're, we're doing that. We are, we're in the series called Rhythms. Everyone say rhythms. rhythms. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, do you have rhythm? Some of you may have rhythm. Some of you may not. But today we're not talking about the physical form of rhythm in the sense of, of musical rhythm. We're talking about a spiritual rhythm that God has, wants to call us to. And actually this series has been a series that's been rather heavy. Uh, how many have felt attention in your life as a result of some of the sermons? Well, one, two of you. Thank you. That's really good. No, a couple of you more. I, I hope you're feeling the tension. You know, that uh, what I have described to my staff is this, this is not one of those raw, raw sermon series that everyone goes, yeah, woohoo. This is one of those, ah, uh, sermon series that you have to, you have to self-reflect. And some of us that don't like to self-reflect struggle more with this. They struggle with the concept of what's here, but these are actually spiritual formation messages Messages that you need to look at your spiritual forming and go, where am I at? Well, we can realize as a result of the pandemic, as a result of our culture, even prior to the pandemic, is that spiritual formation in the church is lacking. And that's a church issue, but that's a you issue, and that's an us issue, right? Say it's an us issue. So all of us can take responsibility for that. And so we're wanting to purposefully step in to some, to some sermons to bring you back, hopefully, to some spiritual formation, some spiritual rhythms in your life. This word rhythm, a strong and a regular repeated pattern. A strong and a regular repeated pattern. Everyone say repeated pattern. Something that's consistent, something that goes on and on and on. And uh, it's very, very important. And what we're facing in our culture today is a word called dissonance. Everyone say dissonance. It's a word that we don't use much, but it actually is a reflection of, or a def- definition of dissonance would be noise. How many have discovered that our culture is filled with noise? Our culture is filled with distractions. Our culture is filled with so many things that are battling for our attention. So it's, it's a, a discord, a harshness, a tension, clash resulting from two things that are not in harmony together. Can I tell you that probably the very biggest dissonance that you and I have in our lives is this thing called the spirit and the flesh. It's a daily battle, and it's not just a one, once a day battle, it's a continually day battle, that we're battling this dissonance in our lives between the spirit and the flesh, and how that is eradicated from our lives, or how that is held into Balance is when we step into rhythm with Jesus, step into spiritual formation with Jesus to say, Jesus, would you form my life? Would you shape me? We've been referring a lot to the way of Jesus, not necessarily the, the direction and how, he, how we get to heaven, but the way that Jesus lived. And so when we look at all these spiritual formation issues or these rhythms, these are all evidences of Jesus's life. And so that's how we are going to... Uh, that, that's how we are, are taking our, our, our perspective, bringing our perspective. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 is the theme verse for this series. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Everyone say, learn from him. Learn from me. He says, I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. Doesn't that sound attractive? How many would love rest for your souls? And he goes on and he says, 
My yoke is easy. Everybody say easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everyone say light. You know, when we come to these things, we oftentimes, we like those two words, easy and light. But I want to remind you in this passage of scripture that easy does not mean there is no effort involved. How many have realized that in your spiritual life? Jesus says it's easy, it's a gift, but how many know that you have to receive that gift and that you have to apply that gift and you have to unpackage that gift and you have to work that gift in your life? You have to figure out how does this balance out in me? Last week we talked uh, about solitude, a, uh, a topic that is not dialogued much, and it was t- entitled Stop the Insanity, and we were talking about stop the noise externally, top the, stop the noise internally. How many realize that there's external and internal noise that we have to battle, and there's a place of solitude? Today, we're going to title our message, Hit the Reset. Everyone hit, says, Hit the Reset. How many are thankful for resets on your phone? Resets on your computer? Maybe a reset just emotionally, mentally, physically. We just need a reset. Today, I want to talk about a spiritual reset. God's, God gave us something that is so important, and I want us to understand this reset that he gave us. I remember a statement that my grandma would oftentimes say to a loved one. I was young, and I remember, and her phrase would be, you are working yourself to death. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? You're working yourself to death, meaning that you're laboring too hard. You're working too long. You're not taking enough time to just set back and relax and to rest. Um, The reports submitted to the government of Japan simply called him Mr. A. In order to protect his, his protect him and his family's identity, he worked for several years at a major Japanese snack food processing company, often often putting out as many as 110 hours each week. Just to put that into perspective, that is more than two and a half 40-hour weeks jammed into one. To log 110 hours in a week requires working nearly 16 hours seven days a week. He did that week after week, year after year. They found, that, they found Mr. Day dead at his workstation, the victim of a heart attack. He was 34 years old. In Japan, they call this term kuroshi, which translates as death by overwork. Because it was happening so frequently, they had to create a word to describe something so new to their language that they didn't have a word for it. This word literally describes the act of working yourself to death. This is is an all-increasing phenomenon, people dropping dead at their jobs as a result of working insane hours, being under intense pressure with little to no rest. It has become so common that the international human rights organization are calling on governments of overworked nations to do something about it. You say, well, that's distant from us. That's a foreign country. That doesn't apply to us. But can I tell you that in this process of overworkedness, America, the United States of America, where you live, is number six on that chart. I want the reality to set in for you to grasp this concept. There is something called overworking. One recent Forbes article titled, Need or Greed, it stated that 55% of Americans work a minimum of 12 hours a day, six days a week, often picking up extra shifts. The subheading, subheading of this article was titled this. I want you to hear this. Is it need 
to make ends meet, or is it greed to climb the ladder and acquire the matter? I want you to understand the concept here in this article as they're dialoguing this concept of overworking and why are we overworking? What, is, what gives us significance? Why are we doing what we're doing? And what's so amazing to me is this, is that Jesus has an answer. God has an answer. God gave us an answer before this even began to happen. Maybe you're familiar with the movie 9 to 5. Anybody know 9 to 5? I'm dating myself. Dolly Parton is in the movie, and she actually sang a song. And as I tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition, yawning and stretching and try to come alive, jump in the shower, and the blood starts pumping. Out, of, out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from 9 to 5. The course begins like this, working 9 to 5. What a way to make a living. Barely getting by, it's all take and no giving. And I want to ask you today, what happened to 9 to 5? What happened to 9 to 5? Can I tell you, everyone can come back and go, well, the pandemic. No, this has happened before the pandemic. This happened before you started working at home and had no boundaries in your jobs. Work and rest are important things. This idea of the theology of work and rest, the theology meaning that there is a God principle on work and there's a God principle on rest. And if we don't work within the principle of God in our humanity, we're going to break down. In our humanity, we're going to be out of rhythm. How many in this room can honestly say that you find a tension in your life between work and rest? There's a tension. This tension that I'm talking about is a tension that even though you're not at work, you think about work. Even though you're not at work, you're wondering, oh, what's next? Oh, I got to do this tomorrow. Even though you're not at work, there could be relational issues that you're having to fix at work. And so therefore, it consumes your thoughts. It consumes your time. It consumes effort and energy. You know, this tension has always been there. God today and has always been an advocate for work. He says, if you do not work, you do not eat. He says, if you do not put forth effort, you cannot, be, cannot have the reward of your labors. We can see in our culture today that there is a broken, brokenness because let's just give to people that aren't working. Let's just supply for them rather than expecting something out of them. There's a place also that we've overworked. So there's an underworking and there's an overworking and there's got to be a rhythm that God wants us to apply to our lives. God's not afraid of work. He encourages work. Work unto him is holy. Our jobs are avenues. Everyone say an avenue. Our, our avenues to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a broken world. I want you to hear that. They're avenues to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a broken world. Are you hearing me this morning? Would you say that with me? My job, say my job, is an avenue to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a broken world. It was never intended to pad this. It was never intended for this. The purpose of your life, the purpose of your job was to carry the gospel to G of Jesus Christ to a broken world, to missions, places that only you are going to go to. This idea of work involving, activity involving mental or physical effort to achieve a purpose or a result. Out of 168 
hours that are livable every single week. How many know that you can't add to that? That's seven times 24, and I'm sorry, as much as you want, 50 hours per week or 50 hours per day, you're not going to get it. As much as you think you need it, God says, no, there is a livable pace, and it's this. Having approximately 112 waking hours in a week, that's averaging an eight-hour night of sleep, a third of your hours are spent at work. A little bit more, maybe. Can I tell you today that the reason that God has you at your job is for you to live out your faith on your job? Not just to accomplish a task, not just to get a paycheck, not just to dread Mondays, but to wake up going, I am called of God. I'm on God's mission. The book of Genesis is foundational to the theology of work. Genesis 2.2 says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work. Everyone say the work. God worked. He had finished his work that he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. John 5.17 says this, New Testament. He says, my father is always at work. So it wasn't just an Old Testament principle. God says, he's always at work. And Jesus gone on to say that I too am working. Have you ever thought that work is part of God's image on our life? That as you go to work every single day, that's a stamp of God's image on you. That he says, no, there is a work ethic that I have implanted in your life. Genesis 2.15 says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. This is creation. This is pre-sin. This is pre-fall of man that God says, I'm taking Adam, I'm taking Eve, and I'm putting them in the garden that they would work the garden. One translation actually uses the word cultivate. This word cultivate is to make things grow, to keep the garden up, to maintain it. Our job, our calling in our work is to cultivate what God has made. You may step back and go, well, my job is irrelevant to creation. No, your job is relevant to either the chaos or the peace of our culture. You're bringing order to the chaos. You're making things beautiful out of your work. You're adding joy on the earth. And you step back and go, well, am I? I don't know, are you? Because if you don't have the theology of work, if you don't step in to realize that God ordained job, God ordained work, God ordained this process for a reason, not a paycheck, but to spread the gospel, to bring order out of chaos, to bring peace into adversity. What an opportunity amidst our culture and our society, especially now, because we are carriers of a gospel. We're carriers of an eternal peace. This idea of subduing the earth suggests that we are to take stuff, the stuff of God's creation, and participate with him and bring it into beauty. Can I ask you that next time you go out to mow your grass, next time you go out to pull a weed, Next time you change a diaper on a baby, next time you type on your keyboard, next time you use a little mouse, next time you have a conversation on the phone, that you are an instrument of God, that you're bringing order to chaos. It's not something that is just useless. No, God has called us to bring in the message of Jesus with our lives. Work is part of God's very design. He invented it. And oftentimes we come and go, well, the fall happened, and 
all world, all of our world fell apart. Well, yes, it did. But can I tell you that God's principle of work never changed? Genesis chapter 3 says this, though. After the fall of man, God told Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. Painful toil you will eat. Uh, through painful toil you will eat food from all the days. Uh, it will produce thorns and it will produce thistles. And you will eat, eat the plants of the field, but, the, but by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. And we step back and go, ah, can we go back to pre-fall? Anybody for pre-fall? Can I tell you what's happened is in the middle of sin, in the middle of chaos, we've bought into a culture and we're living by a rhythm that the world is going, this is toilsome, I'm sweating, I don't like this. And God says, no, you are to take joy in your work. You're to battle the attitude of toil. You're to battle the attitude of griping and complaining. You're to battle the attitude of a culture that is out of rhythm. Can I tell you, I think that there's a t- time in our life that we need to stop and say, God, thank you for the ability to work. Amen? God, thank you for the job that I have. Through that job, God, thank you that you are providing for my needs. God, thank you that I get to be a missionary of the gospel for you. God, thank you that I can support my family because of this job that you've given me. God, thank you for the gifts in my life that you've empowered me to do these things. Instead, we step back and we go, oh, cursed is the ground. Toil is the labor. Oh, I don't want to sweat anymore. New Testament principle, Paul comes back in Colossians, he says, whatever. Everyone say whatever. (laughs) Whatever you do, one translation says, in word or in deed, Work heartily. Everyone say work heartily. Work with all of your heart, with all of your ability. Work heartily for the Lord and not for man. And it goes on at the very end, and it says, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Paul is coming and saying, remove your boss out of your mind's eye and put Jesus as your boss. Regardless of whether that boss is good or bad, whether that boss is yourself whether you're self-employed today or whatever, you have to come and go, no, I am working most importantly for God himself. A theology of work. You know, today I can talk about this rhythm of work and oftentimes in this room, our rhythm of work is going to be there. Hopefully you are someone that is labor and hopefully you have a job and hopefully you're able to, to do that job. Generally, we don't have to encourage people to work Maybe in this culture we do, but generally we don't. We oftentimes overwork. But can I tell you today that this idea of hitting the reset, work is important. There is a theology of work. God calls us to work, but God also calls us to rest. And what's our problem in America today, what's our problem in our pace of life today is this theology of rest, this holy rhythm that God calls us to. And what does that look like? Today, I want to remind you, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, he says. Learn my pattern. Learn my way, for I am gentle and I am humble. Today, I could come and I could approach this with harshness, and I'm saying, God, help me to approach this with gentility. Help me to approach this with humility. Help me to approach this with the heart of Christ. So today, I don't want to come and and add more yoke, more burden to your life. 
I want to bring spiritual formation to your life. I want to bring balance, healthy perspective from God. Old Testament says this, Exodus chapter 20. In the Ten Commandments, commandment number four, everyone say number four. Exodus chapter 20 says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, your male, your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested. Everyone say he rested. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. What I want to draw your attention to is that from the beginning of creation, when we're talking Genesis chapter 2, where it says God created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested, there is no more mention from Genesis all the way to Exodus 10 commandments about this idea of Sabbath. There's no more dialogue. God comes back to communicate a principle, communicate a creation principle, a rhythm principle to his people. And he says, not only am I going to create a principle, but I'm going to make it a commandment. I'm going to make it something that you must remember. It's not the first one because I'm the first one. And it's not the last one because it's more important than that. And he comes back and he says, there is a statement. I want you to remember the Sabbath day. In Exodus, this is remember In Deuteronomy, when it comes back again after the tablets have been crushed, remember when Moses got angry and crushed them down on the people and all that sort of stuff? Deuteronomy, it doesn't say remember, it says observe. Everyone say observe. There's a difference between remembering a mental recognition and observing a physical practice. Oftentimes we step into this, go, well, that's Old Testament, and aren't we glad that the old, we don't live under the law of the Old Testament? But I want to build a case this morning. I will tell you today, under this yoke of the fourth commandment, I struggle. I work hard, but I don't rest very well. I don't rest well at all. There's a, something in me that I just think, I, if I, I, I can just work harder. I have more to do. I have more to accomplish. Anybody out there, do you just have more to do, more to accomplish? Work and rest bring tension in my life. The culture that we work in has a rhythm of work that cannot be sustained. That If I want a promotion, I have to work harder. If I want more money to get a raise, I've got to work harder. I've got to climb the ladder. I've got to, it's got to be seen. And it's this tension that we feel around us. We have seen, that our job, we see, we have seen our jobs as our provision rather than God as our provision. Can I tell you today, a principle that's higher than earning a position on your job is that God is the one that sets up and God is the one that pulls down. For some reason in our mindset, in our humanity today, we go, if I work harder, then I can get a promotion and it's me that's earned this promotion. Today, Christian spiritual formation, the reality of a Sabbath, the reality of a rest is coming back to this place to go, God, you have given me everything. My promotion is from you. My demotion is from you. My provision is from you. My home is from you. My education is from you. We can go back and we can applaud our U.S. government for what they've given to us, but it's because God has blessed us. God is our provision, and we've got to get our mindset back into that process. This idea of Sabbath, the seventh 
day of the week observed from Friday evening to Saturday evening. This is the Old Testament process of the Sabbath. Maybe you're one of those that are observers of it. I have friends that observe from Saturday at 5 till Sunday, or till Friday at 5 till Sunday, Saturday at 5. That's their Sabbath, and you're going to hear a little bit of description of what that looks like. For us as Christians, oftentimes Sunday is the one that has been observed, the rest and the worship. But if we were to look at the Old Testament word, Shabbat, everyone say Shabbat. It's a time to stop. When you look at that definition, the Hebrew definition is to stop working, to stop wanting, and to stop worrying. So when we step into the idea of Sabbath, I want you to think about this idea of Sabbath. When you step into a day of rest or a portion of rest, however that fits into your life, it's a stopping. It's a stopping of working, it's a stopping of wanting, and it's a stopping of worrying. And if I were to take a poll around this room, I'd go, how many of you are Sabbathing well? Again, not to bring a yoke, a bondage, but to teach a spiritual principle today. The reality of Sabbath is this. I want you to remember creation. On the sixth day, God created Adam and he created Eve. And the seventh day, he rested. Would you take a look back with me to imagine that God created Adam and Eve on the sixth day, but their very first day of living was a day of rest. I believe that there's a principle there that God created you and I to live from rest, not from work. That our first day, that our first beginning, that as we tackle our week, that we're rested in God's presence. We're Sabbathing in him. I ask you today, do you live out of rest? Are you to live out of restlessness? Restful is margin. Restless is busy. Restful is slowness. Restless is hurry. Restful is quiet. Restless is noise. Restful is peace. Restless is agitation and anxiety. Restful is deep relationships. Restless is isolation. Restful is delight. Restless is distraction. Restful is enjoyment. Restless is envy. Restful is gratitude. Restless is greed. Restful is trust. Restless is worry. Restful is love. Restless is anger. Restful is joy. Restless is sadness. Restless, restful is clarity. Restless is confusion. Anybody, do you recognize confusion in our world today? Restless is working from love. Rest, restful is working from love. Restless is working for love. Restful is work as contribution. Restless is work as accumulation or accomplishment. So I ask you today, as I present this to you, are you working from rest? Are you living your life out of this rest and this identity that God can bring? And you say, well, Pastor Kevin, that's the perfect world. Yeah, it is. But can I tell you the promise that God gave us is something that is, is easy. This yoke that he's given us is an easy yoke, but it does not, does not eliminate effort on our part. He says it's light. It's not a burden that is heavy. And oftentimes it becomes heavy and it becomes restless, restless when we are trying to do it on our own. When we're trying to carry life on our own is when we step out 
of this rest that he's called us to. The Sabbath can be very difficult. Many struggle with the prospect of not having enough, this tension that's in our lives. And I ask you today, what is enough? What is enough? Gordon MacDonald says this, the more we want, the more revenue we must produce to get it. The more revenue we must produce, the longer and harder we have to work. So we build larger homes, we buy more cars, we take on added financial burdens and then find ourselves having to work harder to pay for it all. We have more work and we have less rest. How many have discovered that principle in your life? You take on burden, you take on charge card, you take on new things, you're going, okay, well, no, if I just work, if I just work two more hours a week, I can do this. The Sabbath rest is this continual regular battle of coveting for more. Can I tell you, probably before we even get to the principles today, one of the highest forms of the Sabbath is stepping back to go, I have enough, and I'm going to stop the coveting in my life. I have enough. God has provided enough. Everyone say, I have enough. Can I tell you, our culture today is saying, more, 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 more. We see the ads on TV, and we want more, 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 more. I'm guilty. I see the brand new iPhone and go, oh, I want the new iPhone. I, want to, I see the brand new Tundra and go, oh my word, look at the screen in that eye, in there. Is anybody else guilty? Throw stones at me, you guys are so holy. <laughs> A rabbi Donan says this, the person's look from the outside, the person's looking from the outside, the Sabbath might appear to be restrictive. Yet experience from within It is just the reverse. It serves as a glorious release from weekday concerns, routine routine pressures, and secular recreation. It is a day of peaceful tranquility, inner joy, and spiritual uplift, accompanied by song and cheer. I ask you today, how many like the description of the Sabbath? You may be taking a day off. You may be having your day that you call your Sabbath, but I want to call you back to some principles of what the Sabbath should entail. Old Testament and New Testament, as we look into this. And I, if you're here today and you are listening to me online, I've already gotten emails about this idea of the Sabbath, and I've been corrected, and uh, it's Kevin L. Reich at idontcare.com. <laughs> I got the microphone, and I get to speak to it. Let's go to the New Testament. Mark chapter 2. Everyone say Mark chapter 2. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, look, why are they doing this unlawful thing on the Sabbath? Jesus comes back with a story of someone they greatly and highly respected, and he answered, and he says, have you never read that David, you know, King David, the one that changed changed." This one that was highly exalted and lifted, King David himself did when he and his companions were hungry and in need. In the days of Abiathar, that name, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And here God, Jesus himself is speaking to a principle and he's saying, hey, Remember my yoke, as I teach my yoke, my belief system is this. And he was always counter to a religious world. Jesus comes with his powerful words in two verses. Then he said unto them, 
The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I want you to hear these words. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. While religious people from centuries ago were bound by this blessing from God, this boundary from God, they had taken it to extremes. Today in our culture, we've taken it to extremes, or we've not honored it at all in our life. We've allowed the work principle to overshadow the Sabbath principle. Jesus said clearly that God made the Sabbath for us, for our benefit. Not for us to be burdened any longer, not for us to carry a yoke that we should not carry, but as a blessing to us, as a benefit to us. And he basically is coming and going, yeah, that's what was written, but I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And because I'm the Lord, because I'm the Son of God, because I'm equal to God, can I tell you that I can rewrite the rules for the Sabbath? Today we come and we listen and we go, we have these rules in our lives and we have these boundaries in our lives. And Jesus is coming and saying, yes, there are boundaries, there are rhythms. But all of Jesus' teaching in the New Testament was a resetting of rhythms. A resetting of, it was written, but now it is said. Concept. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Four practices, four reasons that we practice the Sabbath, that we should practice the Sabbath. Can I tell you that if you are a priest of your home, a priestess of your home, if you are a parent, you are... This is a process of gathering your family together and teaching them the process of Sabbathing. We've not taught our children well. We've corrupted their mindset of what the Sabbath is. And I want to bring you back to some principles of what the Sabbath is. Number one, the Sabbath is a day of blessing. The Sabbath is a day of blessing. John Piper says this, So Jesus didn't come to abolish the Sabbath, but to dig it out from under the mountain of legalistic sentiment and to give it to us again as a blessing rather than a burden. In the New Testament, in the Old Testament, it had become a burden. It had become a commandment. It had become a principle that we have to out of fear, out of, rather than out of worship. The Sabbath to us is a blessing. If the Sabbath was made for man, that implies that God intended it as a day to bless us, a day for us to delight in, A day for us to not be burdened by, to take great pleasure in this day. Why is it that we find condemnation when we take a day off? Why is it that we think it's spiritual to go, no, I worked 56 hours this week. Bless God. Can I tell you there's something in our lives that we've got a perspective that we need to shift in our mindset. It is a day of blessing We use it to remind ourselves that our salvation is accomplished because of Jesus. We use it to remind us in the Old Testament to remind them of the deliverance from Egypt. That's why he's coming back with these commandments to go, no, remember, remember the Sabbath. Remember, you don't have to work and labor for it anymore. This is a blessing. This is a gift. It's a reorientation. Sabbath is a counterculture declaration of trust. Can I tell you that when I feel like I have to work, it's because I feel like I have to manufacture something. I don't have enough done and I have to work harder to get it done. 
The Sabbath comes back and says, no, God, I trust you. No, God, I'm going to honor you. No, God, I recognize my boundaries. The blessing is this, is that God is the point of this day. God is the provider of our lives. God is the deliverer. He's our salvation. It's not a concept of thou shalt do. So if we truly want to keep the Sabbath the way that God intends, we need to ask ourselves, is there a time in my life? Is there a day in my week which I receive as a blessing from God? Today, I'm not going to get up here and say that it needs to be Saturday, that it needs to be Friday from this to this, that it needs to be Sunday. Rhonda's and my Sabbath is a different day just because of how our weekends play out. But can I tell you, this is something that I'm trying to practice. She can vouch this is something that I'm battling with, I'm struggling with. And each of you has to answer this question, is there a day in your week, a time in your life that you are setting aside to receive that day as a blessing from God? Number two, second reason that we practice it is it a day of rest. From the very beginning, one purpose God had for the Sabbath was that it was a way, it was was to be a day of rest, a day to step back from all of the functionings of humanity. You come back and go, well, you mean did God really need rest? No, God didn't need rest. He was showing us a pattern and a rhythm. It says that he had completed his work We see in the New Testament that he's continuing on in his work, that he's continually working. But you know, the reality is this. Even though you and I are designed and created in the image of God, we are not limitless like God. In our humanity, we are broken. In our humanity, we get tired. Anybody get tired? Anybody like to sleep? Anybody like to crawl in your bed? That's our humanity. Our bodies are not made for constant work. Our bodies, our minds were not created for constant tension. God built into us a fundamental inefficiency. He built into us this principle to go, six days you will work, and on the seventh you will rest. We need rest from time to time. We need a daily time of sleeping, a daily time of rejuvenation, but we also need a weekly time of disengaging from our work from our mental strains and stresses of life. The Sabbath rest is a stewardship principle. Everyone say stewardship. Stewardship is a big word for managing what God gave you. We understand stewardship from the idea of tithing, that God says, I want you to be a steward of what you have, and therefore, if you're a Christ follower, I want you to give a dollar for every 10 because that's a tithe, that's a principle that's there. That's a stewardship principle. Can I tell you that this idea from from the Sabbath is also a stewardship principle. It's a one out of seven. He's coming and saying, I give you seven, but I want you to give back to me one. I want you to honor me with one. I want you to do this with your life. And I'll tell you this, God can do more with six days when you give him one instead of laboring seven and giving him none. We have this mindset that if I just work harder, I'm going to get more done. And there's times that we just have to step back and say, God, can I tell you, this, this is, uh, I don't preach this because I do this good. I preach this because God's word is true. And I have to come back and I have to have the mental battle to go, God, today, no, I am going to honor you. I'm trusting 
God, I'm trusting that as I step back in tomorrow, you're going to make up the difference. Rest forces us to reorient our understanding of life. If we work seven days a week, it's easy for us to live under this illusion that we control our own destiny, that we control all of our own lives. And can I tell you, if you've not learned anything through the pandemic, is you and I have control of zip. Everything going on around us. If you're a control freak like me that wants to control circumstances, can I tell you, there is no control. It doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or Democrat. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. It's not about any of that. It's realizing there's a sovereign God that's bigger than you. God is limited and we're lim- God is limitless and we are limited. God gave us this Sabbath as a gift of limitations, of recognizing our limitations. Can I tell you, that's an attitude of worship right there. To step back and go, God, I recognize I'm limited. But God, in humility, I come to your, un- to your limitlessness. Isn't that what it should be every day of our lives? The question I would ask you, if you're wanting to keep the Sabbath, is there a time in my life, a day in my week, which I receive rest as a gift from God? Spiritual rest, healthy rest, mental rest. Number three. Number three reason. It is a day for God. It is a day for God. And I would like to say most importantly, but they're all important. But this one really, I, I want you to hear this principle without, without a yoke of bondage. But I want you, this, this, this one right here is the recentering of the Sabbath. Jesus come, came and said, or God says that it is a holy day that I created this, the Sabbath as a day that is holy, a day that is to be set apart. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is coming and going, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the one that needs to be recognized on this day. It is a day for me. Is it a day for you to disconnect from everything else that has your attention and to focus on me? This means that we must be focused on honoring Jesus. He created it. He can recreate it. He created it. He can give us the rules and the boundaries for it. Today in our culture, our idea of Sabbath is we go, oh, it's my Sabbath and I'm taking a day off. I'm taking a day away. Can I tell you, I don't want to bring structure to your day of Sabbath except for this. If it is not a day for God, it's not Sabbath. If it is not a day that you set apart to go, God, I am wanting to worship you with my life. I'm wanting to worship you in my attitude. I'm wanting to worship you in my mindset. If it is a day that you're just going to sit and watch football or basketball or go out and gallivant and shop, I know I'm stepping on some idolatry, Brittany. (laughs) She's like recoiling back there, so I had to call her up. I love her. Shalom. Seriously, can I tell you what happens is we over-spiritualize the day to go, I just need. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. Timothy Keller writes this. He says, the purpose of the Sabbath is not simply for you to rejuvenate yourself in order for you to do more production the next day you go back to work, nor is it a pursuit of pleasure. 
The purpose of the Sabbath is for you to enjoy your God. Everyone say enjoy God. To take delight in him. To take a moment and figure out what is it enjoyment-wise. Enjoy what you have accomplished in the world through his help and the freedom that you have in the gospel, the freedom from slavery to any material object or any human expectation. Can I tell you today, if you just did those two things to step back and go, this is about God, and I am, not, I am no longer in slavery to what the world would say that I need to do, we're allowing God to once again to dictate our identity. This raises this question then for us who are Christians and we celebrate the Sabbath on a Sunday. What does that look like? I'm going to go to Medellin this morning. Especially in a post-pandemic, not post-pandemic, mid-pandemic. Where church has no longer been a priority. Can I tell you, it's not about church, it's about the Sabbath. And there's something really important about the Sabbath. That on the Sabbath, the Israelites gathered together to glorify and to honor God. There was a celebration factor that took place. Church, why we come, why we're here this morning is to gather together to hear the word of God, to worship God, and to honor him with our lives. It needs to be a portion of our week. If it is a day for God, it is a day for you to pull your family together and to teach them to worship God. It's a day for you to gather with other believers and a day through music and through God's word and enjoyment of this world that we have that he made us to worship him as creator. It's a day to bring us back to this focal point of who he is. God didn't, call, didn't create us to accomplish tasks. He called us to be in love with him. Mark chapter 12 says this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Can I tell you today, as a father, as a mother of your family, as a grandmother, as a grandfather, as a teenager, as a child, the most important thing you can do is coming to say and go, God, I'm coming on your day to love you with all. Walter Brugman says this, when we stop our work on whatever is our seventh day, we acknowledge that our life is not defined only by work or productivity but it's defined by our trust and our reliance upon and devotion to God. Today as we come, this purpose, you say, Pastor Kevin, you're intense, you're passionate. That's passion. It's because I care about you. It's because I care about myself. I'm preaching to myself, but I'm preaching to you to go, no, there's a rhythm that we've gotten out of that we need to step back into, and it's a day for God. Everyone say it's a day for God. The third question that we need to ask ourselves, is there a time in your life, a day in your week, which I dedicate specifically to focus and to love God? Are you focusing in loving God? Lastly today, it's a day for good. Jesus added one more aspect of Sabbath keeping when he challenged the Pharisees in Mark chapter 4. He said, what is lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? After this passage of scripture, we see that asked this question, and Jesus heals a man with a paralyzed hand. And the Pharisees are whispering, going, ah, stone him. He's of, he's of Satan. And Jesus comes back with this statement Is it lawful to do good or to do evil? What has happened was that it was this yoke to say, No, we just step into idleness. 
And there's no productivity in our life. There's nothing. And Jesus goes, no, this is not just a day of idleness. This is a day to do good to people. This is a day to walk out love to people. A day to serve others. Leading your family in service. Can I tell you that Sunday, the Sabbath for us at Relevant Life Church, how we observe it is we oftentimes come and we fill a chair and we go, I'm 75 minutes and it's done and I go and do my thing. Can I tell you part of your Sabbath is serving? Part of your Sabbath is we have multiple ministries, especially post the middle of pandemic, that are empty, vacant, that need people like you to step in to honor the Sabbath and say, I'm willing to do good. I'm willing to do good. Sabbath does not just mean a day off. Sabbath means you're present. God's present. You're recognizing God's presence. You're realizing that it's this day that is a special day filled with blessing. A special day that's filled with God's presence. A special day that you get to do good to honor him. The whole day is about worship and how we behave. This last question that I ask you today, is there a space in in your life, a day in your week when you think about engaging and doing good for others? Observing a Sabbath as a means of teaching yourself how to rest. Observing a Sabbath is teaching yourself in how to rest. Everyone say how to rest. I believe that every one of us need to learn how to rest, to rest appropriately. So let me tell you real quickly how to Sabbath. This is not all-inclusive. This is not a yoke, but it is a principle. So I want to bring guidance to this. Number one, it is to make time for worshiping God personally and corporately. To recognize the Sabbath in your life, you're stepping out to go, God, I recognize you as God, and I'm going to worship you with my life. I'm going to love you with my heart, my mind, and my soul. Another way is to take delight in God. How do we take delight in God? We take delight in his creation. We take delight in a nap. We take delight in laughter. We take delight in our family that he's given us. We take delight in our friends that he's surrounded us by. We take delight by making love with our spouse as an act of worship. We delight in God and his provision that is continually there. That regardless of whether our day starts Our week stops and it's quiet and it's filled with solitude. God is still doing for us. Another way of Sabbath is to take a break from tech input. Can I tell you what I think has happened oftentimes is we have allowed our Sabbath to be consumed with technology and the digital and the TV and all the distractions. And I don't want to bring condemnation, but I want to, I'll I'll say myself, Kevin does not worship God very well when I'm on social media. Kevin does not worship God very well when we're going from one show on Netflix to the next show on Netflix. Even though there might be this downtime, can I tell you, that's not the Sabbath that God is intending for us. I want to encourage you to avoid idleness, needless vegetation without direction without considering who God is, without realizing and reflecting on who he is. And lastly, the Sabbath is about doing good. What does that look like in your life? 
Where is your service to others? What is the ministry that you're participating in? Hebrews chapter 4, as I close this morning. The writer of Hebrews, as he sums up this idea of the Sabbath, he takes the Old Testament principle and the New Testament principle and he kind of conglomerates it all. And he actually increases a little bit more tension. He doesn't relieve the tension, he actually increases it. And it says in Matthew, or Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, no longer working for salvation, no longer working for deliverance, no longer working to produce, this invitation for rest still stands. Let us be careful. Everyone say careful. That none of us would be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. He's talking about the Old Testament, just as they did. But the message that they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who had obeyed. Today, we're confronted with a tension to step into obedience or to step into disobedience. Yes, we live in our, under this amazing thing called grace, but God still says, will you obey me? Do you love me enough to obey me? Skip down to verse 6. It says, Therefore, since, we still re- since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because they were disobedient. Verse 9, There remains then, everyone say there remains, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also re- rests from their works, just as God did for his, from his. Let us therefore make every effort, even though it's easy, everyone say effort, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Say, Pastor Kevin, are you, how are you, what what are you talking about this obedience and disobedience thing? Today, church, if you want to encounter the blessings of God, you got to do it the way of God. You want to experience the rhythms of Jesus, the way that Jesus walked? His yoke is easy and his burden is light, but it takes our effort to go, God, I'm going to align myself with your principles. I want to just encourage you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for doing the steps that you're taking. Maybe today is a reaffirmation of what you're already doing. Maybe today is a a shifting of what you've been doing. And maybe today is an alert to go, I'm out of rhythm. So my question to you and your response is this. Will you commit to working in such a way that recognizes your limits? As you begin work tomorrow morning, not to get your head a day ahead, but when you go to work tomorrow, would you commit to work within your limits, not outside of your limits? Would you commit to going, God, I want to honor you with my work. I want to labor in such a way that honors you and pleases you. Also, also would you commit to practicing a Sabbath that honors God? I know in our culture today, Sunday may not work for some. But can I tell you, you need to have a day that you gather your family around or you gather your mind around and go, God, I'm going to honor you today. This is a day of blessing. This is a day for you. It's a day to do good. As you bow your heads this morning, 
If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Kevin, I struggle with Sabbath. You're not raising your hand unto me. Would you just raise it to God? God, today, I thank you that you're a God not of more burdens, but that you're a God of divine enablement. And God, today, as we raise our hands, it's not raising our hands out of failure. It's raising our hands because we recognize that we have limits. God, it's actually a humility to step back and to go, God, I am not too prideful to think that I can keep on doing everything. God, today we thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath. God, I thank you today that you are the God of the Sabbath. God, help us to worship you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. God, help us to be committed to doing good. And God, I pray that over these people, God, as they begin to step into a brand new rhythm and they face the tensions of our culture, this tension that hangs over us that we will be tempted to push the boundaries. God, in your gentleness and your humility, would you call us back? Would you trigger us by the convicting power of your Holy Spirit? Would you once again give us recognition of our limitations? And God, today we want to worship you. We want to honor you. We want to have a rhythm that honors you today. God bless your people. Strengthen them today, I pray. God, as they've come and they've prioritized you, God, let them walk from this place to practice these rhythms, to practice this pattern of the Sabbath. And God, we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I am so glad that you came today. I'm so glad that the presence of God is evident. I'm so glad that his word is true. Amen. How many are thankful for his grace? Amen. I'm thankful for his grace. I'm thankful that he is the one that carries the heavier load. If you need prayer this morning, our prayer team is on their way up, and we would love to invite you to come and let them lay hands on you to anoint you with oil. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of healing. And if you need someone to pray with you, they would be more than happy to do so. We encourage you to join us next Sunday. Discover what's taking place in the church. Make sure you go register for all the items that we've talked about. Have an amazing week. Sabbath today. Amen. Honor God. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.